Well, good morning and happy Resurrection Day. Good to see all you this morning. He is risen? Indeed. An old preacher was dying, and he sent a message to a politician and a lawyer, uh, both who were church members, to come and be with him. And when the politician and lawyer arrived, they were ushered up to his bedroom. And as they entered the room, the preacher held out his hands and motioned for him to sit on each side of the bed. And the, the preacher grasped their hands and sighed contentedly and smiled and stared at the ceiling. And for a long time, no one said anything. And both the politician and lawyer were flattered that the preacher had asked them to be with him in his final moments, but they're a little confused because they never got the feeling he particularly liked either one of them. And finally, one of them said, Preacher, why do you ask us to come? And the old preacher mustered up his strength and said weakly, Jesus died between two thieves, and that's how I want to go. <laughs> I don't think we have politicians here. I think we have lawyers, though. So anyway... Actually, that does have a point to this message. The two guys that died on each side of Jesus, both had done bad things. They both sinned. They were both failures. And if we're honest, we're all failures the same. We have all failed to some extent, maybe not criminally, but we failed maybe at school, maybe in relationships, maybe you failed to land a job. There's a website called Business Insider, read an article entitled Seven Brutally Honest Job Rejection Letters. One of them says, thank you for submitting your work. Unfortunately, what you sent is quite terrible. Please forgive them the form rejection, but it would take too much of my time to tell you exactly how terrible it was. Wouldn't you like to get that? Another rejection letter started out, Dear Loser. Now, if you're human, you have at some time or another experienced something like that, uh, and you felt like a loser. Maybe you've been rejected. We all have. I, I have been fired. I've gone through a broken engagement. I once called my son's girlfriend by his previous girlfriend's name. I've lost my temper playing ball. And worse, I've lost my temper sitting in the stands watching others play ball. Someone said if I could sum up my life in one line, I would die of embarrassment. Failure. It's universal. But it can be good. Someone asked Winston Churchill, what most prepared you to lead Great Britain through World War II? Churchill's response, it was the time I repeated a class in grade school. Flunking, failure prepared him for leadership. God seldom intervenes when someone is about to make a mistake. He allows us to fail, first of all, because he doesn't want to take our freedom. Also because failures teach us, and they can motivate us, and some failures bring people to God. But the Apostle Peter is probably one of the best-known disciples and failures of Jesus. He, he knew about failure several times. He probably committed the most famous denial in history where three times he disowned his Lord. Three times he was a coward. And what makes it worse, he said he would never do it. I'll never fall away from you, Lord, but he did. And when he did, his relationship to Jesus was wounded. Maybe that's you today. We've all stumbled. We've all made mistakes in our walk with our Lord. Uh, maybe your relationship with him is waning maybe even dying. Maybe you're like the small boy riding a bus home from Sunday school who was very proud of a card he'd received, which had a picture and a caption that read, Have faith in God. But to his dismay, the card slipped from his hand and fluttered out the bus window. He said, Stop the bus. I've lost my faith in God. Is that you? Casey preached two weeks ago how we need to believe in Jesus and trust him in. And then last week, we need to worship Jesus Today, we're going to talk about coming back from failure, which can be done only through Jesus. Peter's failure was before Jesus died and rose again in John 18. 
And now we're in chapter 21, a few days after the resurrection, and Jesus is about to give Peter a second chance. Aren't second chances wonderful? My wife gives me second chances a lot. One of my favorite parts of golf is the mulligan. Try again. By the way, Tiger Woods, great sports story last week, coming back from failure. And that's really what Easter is about, to give us a second chance to come back from our failure to, to, to receive a mulligan. Churchill, uh, when he told that about uh, repeating a grade, someone said, you mean you flunked? Churchill said, no, I didn't flunk. I was given a second opportunity to get it right, a chance to recover. Before Jesus was taken to the cross, three times Peter was asked if he was one of Jesus' followers. Three times Peter said, nope. Three times he turned his back on Jesus. I don't know the man. Jesus predicted it would happen three times before what? The rooster crows. Now, I'm not sure if this is all intended or not, but I find a parallel between Peter and the rooster. Because the rooster is kind of a cocky animal. He struts around the barnyard thinking he's king of the world. It's really foolish, of course. It's a foolish pride. But Peter was like that. Sometimes we're like that. Peter said, I won't leave you. I'll never forsake you. Cocky rooster. Foolish. So John 21. Jesus is risen from the dead. The disciples are out fishing all night, and they catch nothing. Do we have any fishermen here today? I don't want to pick on you too much. These guys have been fishing for hours and not one bite. They're failing. Jesus is standing on the shore, but they don't know it's him. Have you caught anything? Jesus knows they haven't caught anything. Is he rubbing it in? Fishermen hate to admit failure. So our story begins with fishermen failing. Have you caught anything? No. Well, throw the net on the other side. I'm guessing these professional fishermen looked at one another. Professionals don't always like advice from amateurs, but they do it. They throw the net on the other side, and they end up catching 153 fish. And John said, it must be Jesus, because he had done the same kind of, kind of miracle for him before. Peter jumps into the water, goes to shore, and I want you to notice a couple things here. First of all, the results when the disciples did things their way, they caught nothing. Even though they were professionals, zippo. But when they fished at the direction of Jesus, they were successful. Jesus saying, you do it my way, you'll bring in, you'll be a fisher of men. You'll bring them in. John 15, he said, depart from me, you can do nothing. Here's another thing to recognize right here. After his failure, the first thing Peter does, when he sees Jesus, he runs to him. Often after failure, people run from Jesus. So if you're can identify with failing and messing it up, which we all should be able to. Number one, run to Jesus, not away. And number two, try it his way and see what happens because your way may not be working. So Peter comes to shore. Jesus has a meal prepared over a fire of burning coals. Back in John 18, Peter actually denied Jesus in front of a fire. So again, there's a parallel here, just a reminder of his failure. And then verse 15 says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times. Asked if he loves him, kind of a symbolic undoing of the three denials. Three times he said, I don't know you. Three times, I love you. 
notice Jesus does not do. He does not say, how could you, Peter? I counted on you. Of all the disciples, you said you'd never run. He doesn't chew him out. But neither does he let him off the hook. Well, that's okay, Peter. Don't worry about it. Nobody's perfect. He doesn't chew, but neither does he eschew. How do I come back from failure? How do I recover? We all have to deal with this. Well, the first question Jesus asks, and the first thing we have to do is love Jesus. He confronts Peter, and he's really confronting every one of us. Now that he's resurrected and been confirmed as Lord, he now has the authority to ask us some very pointed questions. Peter, do you love me? Not just do you believe in me, but do you love me? And it's a question for everyone here this morning. Mark Weber, do you really love me? Casey McCormick? James? Kevin? We could go around everyone in this room, point you out. I'm not picking on those guys. Do you really love me? It is the question. It is so easy on Easter morning to say, Lord, we love you. Look at me, I'm in church. It's the third time he asks, do you truly love me? Apparently, Jesus knew that some can say it, but it still would not be real. Three times, Peter, you have to answer this question because there is no coming back after, uh, without this. Three times he asked him, three times to undo those three denials. This exchange takes place with the other disciples present, and I don't know about Peter, but I, I would think he would be embarrassed. I know I'd be embarrassed. I'm guessing this exchange was humiliating, and it says Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked him three times. But it's exactly what he needed. The cocky rooster needed to be humbled. See, the only time you can come to Jesus is after you get your pride knocked out of you. Did you hear that? The only time you can come to Jesus is after the pride's been knocked out of you. When you know you're in the wrong, when you know you need genuine repentance, cockiness will never let you love him. Cocky people cannot love Jesus. They will not. So we had to be humbled. And Jesus wants Peter to say it three times, even though it hurts and he's embarrassed. Proverbs 28, 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful, but if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. So failure is not final, not with God. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we celebrate today. We get a mulligan. We get, in fact, all the mulligans we need. When Peter preached the first sermon, Peter asked, people asked, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. And I got to think Peter's thinking back, you need to repent like I did. And then be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you can be renewed. Cockiness will not allow repentance. We have to be humbled. And that's one reason God allows us to fail. Now, what's it mean to love Jesus? Again, it's easy to say, but what's that imply? Well, I think you could just ask, well, what's it mean to love my spouse? Or what's it mean to love my children or my friend? Uh, you know, you spend time with them. You interact, get to know each other. And that's why we study Jesus and get to know Jesus and worship Jesus. Uh, uh, we give to each other when we're in love. All good relationships are give and take. And so your relationship with Jesus is all gimme, 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 and no t giving, uh, then that, that's not a good relationship. There's open and honest communication. Uh, we call it prayer, which is any kind of talking to God or Jesus. Communication is critical in any relationship. Just don't confuse love with feelings. Well, I think Jesus is a nice guy. I have good feelings about Jesus. Most everyone feels that way, but it's still not love. And maybe the toughest one is love means doing his will. This love relationship is not an equal relationship. He is above us. Because he, the resurrection, he is the Lord and he is the king. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and do what I want you to do. 
Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, we don't know what the these is. You know, maybe more than these other disciples, more than these other disciples love me, more than these fishing boats. Do you love me more than fishing? You know, uh, not exactly what the these is, but it's very clear Jesus is to be my priority. Do you love me more than anything else? When you love your spouse, that means he or she has priority all over, over all other humans. When you love your kids, they have priority over all other kids. And three times he asked this, because if we don't get this right, nothing else will be right. Peter will continue to be empty. So please, do not leave today without answering this question. Honestly. And making a commitment to love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The second step on the road to recovery after failure, Jesus says, feed my sheep, care for my lambs. And three times he tells them to do that. In other words, serve and love others. Coming to Jesus cannot happen without service to other people because service is what Christ is all about. Dr. Jurgen Trogish is a pediatrician and he's devoted himself to mentally handicapped children and he conducted an introductory course to train new helpers to work at the center. And at the end of the training period, he asked some of these young helpers to fill out a survey. And one of the questions is, what, is, what has changed in your life because of helping these? They were severely mentally handicapped children. And one said, for the first time in my life, I feel I'm doing something really significant by serving. Another said, I feel I can now do things I wouldn't have been capable of before. Another said, it's made me question what's really important in life. Another said, work has assumed new meaning. Another said, I'm more tolerant. My own little problems don't seem so important any longer. Another said, I've learned to accept myself with all my inadequacies. Above all, I've learned to appreciate the little pleasures of life. Do you see what, pleasure, what service does here? Service benefits other people, of course. It benefits the kingdom of God, but it also benefits you and helps you grow closer to Jesus and be a healthy person. One of the best times of the week for me it's Tuesday at 4 o'clock. We go to Vonderleith and we serve old people. I don't always look forward to it. It is work. But it never fails. Afterwards, there's always satisfaction. It is just better to give than to receive. That's how God created us. And if all you do is take, 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 and live a selfish life, it won't be good. You need to give. Someone said wholeness is simply giving more than you take. So there's no renewal, there's no recovery in our lives without serving others. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus without serving others. So that's the first two, love Jesus, love others. And then the third step in recovering rehabilitation is a little surprising. Verse 18, truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said, follow me. Stretch out your hands was the euphemism for crucifixion. And Jesus is preparing Peter for martyrdom. Back in chapter 13, Peter said, I will lay down my life for you. And here Jesus says, you're right. And Peter was crucified upside down. So in our recovery, love Jesus, do you love him? Serve others, love others. And then the third part, we need to die well. Have you noticed that most people die? Uh, proportion is about one for one. Every birth is going to be a death. And if you want to ruin a social gathering and take the fun out of it, take, you want to take fun out of preaching, start talking about death. I mean, we just don't want to hear about this. 
But ignoring our mortality distorts our view of reality and allows us to live as if life, uh, death were someone else's problem. By the way, I was given this right before I came up today. Sri Lanka, you hear the news? Churches um, have been bombed in Sri Lanka this morning, Easter Sunday. Uh, as far as we know, 200 people are already dead. 600 injured churches and some hotels as well. We need to be praying for them. They died for their faith. And that's what Jesus is talking about here with Peter. I remember years ago listening to a teenager talk about her life, and I don't remember all the details except that she was kind of going through some struggles. And I remember one line in, in that interview. She said, my parents taught me how to live, but they did not teach me how to die. And when I saw, saw that, I, I was thinking this past weekend, you remember Columbine happened 20 years ago? I think 20 years ago yesterday. And there was a girl named Cassie Brunel, and there's a book written about her. She, she was one that died. Uh, she was asked when the shooters came in, do you believe in God? She said yes and was killed. Um, the book about her is she said yes. I want my kids to die well. Not necessarily like that, but when they die, I want them to know. And what's ironic about this, if you die well, you will live well. There's an old saying, begin with the end in mind. Remember what's coming. Remember your goal. It'll change how you live today. Uh, you'll live with a higher sense of purpose. You'll live knowing what's really important in life. You'll realize that a lot of the stuff we stew and fret about in this life really is not that big of a deal. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom to live well today. We need to be ready to die well. The first job of the church is not to teach us how to live, although that's important. The first job is to teach us how to die. And if we die right, it means we have lived right. It means we've loved Jesus and served others. I had a preacher friend tell me about two tombstones he saw in Oklahoma. Uh, the names were Strickland. They were a picture of a lady and a man, husband and wife apparently, gave the dates. And under each picture was a word, atheist. And under Mr. Strickland said, I'm a very busy man and I don't have time for this. And under Mrs. Strickland says, I have loved for and cared for many animals. And I got to thinking, what do you want your tombstone to say? He loved the outdoors. She could shop. He made a lot of money. She loved her family. She loved horses. He loved racing. He loved baseball. And I want to say, really? Is that it? Now, I don't care what you put on your tombstone. No big deal. And you're not going to go to hell if you have the wrong thing on your tombstone. But what really matters at that point? I am not perfect, as, as most of you are painfully aware. I, I, I'm not perfect, but I do have a goal in life. I want to die well. I want to die with my life having made an eternal significance. And the only way you can do that is to love Jesus and serve others. Now, some people will serve others, but without the loving Jesus part, you won't make an eternal difference in that way. So all three of these are part of one package. You can't love Jesus without serving others. And if you don't love Jesus and serve others, you won't die well. All three of these are part of the road back to Jesus. We've all failed. We've all denied him along the way. I know when I fail, I wish I could go back. I wish I could take back those words I said. I wish I could go back and make it right, but I can't. All I can hope is for a second chance, a mulligan. And sometimes a third chance, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a hundred and fourth, and a hundred and fifth. Failure some powerful force in our lives, but I want to place before you a more powerful force than failure. A counselor, Leslie Weatherhead, said the most therapeutic idea in the world is the forgiveness of sin. 
basically second chances. One doctor who works in a mental health hospital in Tennessee said half of my patients could go home in a week if they knew they were forgiven. New life, freedom, recovery because of that second chance. So, so I want you to hear a voice this morning. It, it is a voice. It's very real. Jesus is saying, come back. Yeah, you failed. Yeah, maybe you've denied me, but I'll forgive you. You can come back. But I, I, I'll tell you, he'll also warn, he'll challenge you. He'll ask you some tough questions. Do you love me? Not just do you believe me, but do you love me? There's a big difference. And then he'll tell you and commission us all to serve others, be a giver, not a taker. And if you do those two, you will die right. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today knowing that every one of us has failed. I know I have. And sometimes we need our pride removed. So I just pray whatever we need, what every individual needs here today, you'll break down our defenses, remove whatever blinders we may have that will lead us back to you and help us start on the road to you. Thank you for mulligans. Thank you for being a God who receives us back. Thank you for a resurrection that gives us a second chance and a chance at new life. And I pray, Lord, for all of us here today to take that step toward you, to allow the King of glory to ask us these questions and I pray that our answer will be he or she said yes